Bonjour everyone and welcome back to Casseleline, the French football podcast with the accent. Your host Jeremy Magan, as usual, and uh, today I'm with one of my uh, favorite guests, almost almost a co-host, Bapo from uh, Le Classic. How are you, Baptiste? I'm good, thanks, Jeremy. Thanks for having me. Oh, you know, always a pleasure having you back here. We we spend the weekend uh, chit-chatting on Twitter and and watching games sometimes together. Uh, yeah. And and you watch your games and I watch mine. So there's going to be a, plenty to say about match day 30 in Ligue 1. But on the back of us watching that game uh, last night, Strasbourg against Lens, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about Strasbourg in the first part of the podcast. And you know, it's a club right now that is above this nice on the table, fourth. Uh, and with a pretty successful season. So the part one of this podcast is going to be uh, mainly about the uh, Alsacian club. And in part two, as usual, of course, we are going to talk about uh, Ligue 1 and the, the very good results for Marseille, for Strasbourg, uh, for Troyes, and um, the less successful um, weekend for, I guess, for everybody else at the bottom of the table, really. Uh, and, and Rennes and Nice, who, who neutralized each other, Lance and Montpellier may may have given up on any hope to uh, to play European football. A lot to unpack with, uh, of course, as usual, a very busy Ligue 1 weekend. We'll start with Strasbourg, but first, music. All right, let's go on Strasbourg. Baptiste, you and me have spoken about it offline quite a bit. Um, you're enjoying what you're saying at Strasbourg, of course. Um, you know, shout out to Daniel from Clean Sheet, with whom I had done a, an episode of um, Gasselelin on Strasbourg back in January, where they were already playing well, but we're seeing another level of, of them playing well at the, at the moment, and it's the final stretch. Um, it, it's what matters the most. Um, you know, we're talking about a club that has just been back in Ligue 1 five years ago, has gone through um, a bit of financial issue 10 years ago, and then Mark Keller took mm. over. But since the for the past five years, it just looks like business is going the right way. And this season, um, you know, bringing in Julien Stefan seems to be the cataclyst of everything working well. Uh, what are your initial thoughts of, of Strasbourg um, and, and what they've been doing this season in Ligue 1? They're just a club that seems to go from strength to strength, really. Um, you know, like you said, they had tough times. I guess they're the leads of of uh, France a little bit. They went down to the third, third or fourth tier. I think maybe fourth, fourth, fourth tier. tier. Um, they made their way back up. Uh, you know, they had was it twenty twenty thousand people in in the fourth tier supporting them, which for France is completely unheard of. And uh, they've just been steadily building over the years. Uh, upwards and actually in a way that I think they're having the most successful season I can remember in my lifetime at the moment even when they were a relatively stable Ligue 1 club towards the late 90s early 2000s they were still always a little bit in danger of sliding down of becoming a yo-yo club and they've just looked so solid and you know I think a lot of good work had been done previously by by Thierry Loret uh, to be honest but Seems like Julien Stéphane has just taken them to to a whole different level, which is super impressive in his first season. Thierry Loret, you, you mentioned it, had that reputation of being a bit of a defensive coach, uh, and and at the end was quite, um, you know, pretty verbally criticized, vocally criticized. Sorry for for it. When when you go from a guy like Thierry Loret, whose job, at least from the outside looking in, seemed to be do what you can to be able to 
keep Strasbourg in Liga, huh? you know, the, the, get those 44 points that makes you safe as early as possible. And then we see to a guy like Julian Stefan, who has the ambition. Uh, yeah. I think it's it's a tally. It tells quite a bit as well from Mark Keller and um, and from Louis Desire of of what the ambition is for their club, right? Yeah, absolutely. It's, I think that's probably one of the hardest pieces to do when you're a club that's been promoted not that long ago. It's to take the next next step in the way you play, right? Because fans love uh, you know love your club staying up, especially a club like Strasbourg, but they also want to see good football, right? And uh, and towards the end with Loret, it was getting a bit more complicated, to say the least. So it's, it's really impressive what they've done. And they've backed, you know, Markeller has backed Stefan up, you know, by signing Abib Diallo for, I think, was maybe a club record around 10 million euros, which is a lot of money for, for a club like Strasbourg. Uh, so, the, yeah, they've they've really tried to be more on a front foot. And we're seeing that they've got the third best attack in Liga, which... It's not something I normally identify Strasbourg with, right? Especially over the last few years, and they've um, they've put the emphasis on going forward, even though they're also one of the best defenses around. So he's built. I think he's built upon what Loré had done, certainly defensively and in terms of organization. But and that's the impressive thing with uh, Stefan is he's he's changed it in his own ways. So you know he started with a back four early on this year wasn't really working they were leaking goals a little bit he stepped in to change it again they've moved to a back five he's given a lot of freedom to Thomason. he plays with two strikers at all times it's a it's a really ambitious way of playing and it's and it's paying off with huge dividends at the moment you know what's only five points behind marseille and who are second with eight games to go that's pretty pretty impressive yeah, it is impressive. And yeah, you mentioned 51 um, goals scored, only 32 um, goals conceded. And I think, you know, credit where it's due. Loret did do some good things at Strasbourg. I mean, they had this uh, this streak where they were undefeated at home at Lameno uh, for almost over a year and, and you know, resisted Paris Saint-Germain twice um, on, on their own turf. And a lot of those players that we see now performing so well, you know, I'm thinking um, Aolu, Sissoko, Ajork, um, Matt Sells, who, who's been away last season for, for injury, uh, Anthony Cassie, um, Jiku, they are players, and Liena, of course, they are players that have been here for a while now at Strasbourg and, and yeah. for a while, you know, in the football world, it's two years, three years that have come in on, on not a lot of money. I think the most expensive signing, you mentioned Diallo, um, who, who came in last season. Jiku will be the other one who, who came for like 4.5 yeah. million. So they didn't spend a lot of money. They built their team smartly. There's definitely a bit of youth coming through. And so maybe this um, this strategy that they have is also the motivation behind getting somebody like Junior Stefan, right? I mean, at Rennes, he went through the ranks. He was yeah. one of the youth coach. Then he goes into um, the first team, and of course, Rennes is a club that you know has the richest men in France backing him up. So, yeah. so there's a bit of money and a bit of ambition. But he 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 worked well with with Rennes. He worked well with bringing the youth up and putting them where they are right now. Because players like Bourigeau and Te, um, yeah. and and even, even Terrier, it's it's definitely a bit of work of Stefan uh, that is shining a, a season later. Um, in in the tactic you mentioned that three five two, what do you think 
what's the importance of a player? I want to single out that one player that everyone loves at, at, at Strasbourg. What is the importance of a player like Ajork, who's actually able to follow whatever Julien Stefan asks and always be that that strength, the you know, the the epitome of an underrated player in France. He's he's one of my favorite players in Liga. Ajork, I, I can't. I, I can't wait to see him at a better club. I think we, we, and that's no disrespect to Strasbourg because I think they've they've been they've been great this season. But I think he deserves to play at a high level. And we remember we talked about him when we did our sort of uh, dream eleven of the first half of the season, right? And we said he had a bit of a Giro trajectory to his career. And um, what's really impressed me with him, and he, there are other players that you've already mentioned that also deserve a lot of credit, but with him, it's he can either play with Gamero in the sense of he's going to be a bit more of a traditional target man, uh, hold up play, do it really well, put a lot of physical pressure on the defenders, or he can play, lead, you know, leading the line not on the shoulders of the last defender, but he can he can do a little bit of, of that role and play with Diallo, where they're both, you know, one will run in behind to the other, where they alternate a bit more. So he's just. He's just a really smart player. He's got a good fire in his belly as well. He's uh, he, he likes a good crunching tackle once in a while, and he, he he's probably the best header of the ball in France at the moment. And um, and it's that vers- versatility and ability to play in different ways according to different players around him that to me makes him one of the best strikers in Liga. Certainly one of the most under- underrated ones because he's just had. I think he's been scoring double in double figures in the league for the last two or three years, and the year where he didn't, he probably had nine goals. Which you know, for a club like Strasbourg, is not, it, it, you know, is a good output, uh, especially when you consider he also provides a lot of space uh, through just his sheer sheer presence. I think I think the fact that he's underrated probably comes from the size, right? He's just a very very yeah. tall striker, and so I think people are. You know, some somehow thinking um, Peter Crouch or or yeah. or strikers like this, where oh, he's just a tall guy. He's going to be the target man. He's going to put the ball in front mm-hmm. and and as we say in French, play English football uh, and yeah. hope for the best when he when he's up there. Uh, but I think sure he, he works well with this. You you mentioned it. he is one of the best, probably the best header of the, of the ball in the league, and and he's shown that often. But he's also very good technically, and he's got yeah. that. Um, that desire, that kidness, that willingness every single time the ball comes to him to put the ball down, to mm. control it, to let the team go up, to organize it, to um, to keep the ball into his teammates' feet. Um, and I think that's one of the things where you're always wondering, you know, how how come he hasn't been picked up before? Like, he's a player. Yeah. If you have, and Thomason is doing that really well, right? Plus the two wingers yes. that they have right now. If you have somebody who can provide him with the ball as often as he wants, you know, you're not going to talk about 12, 13 goals. You're going to go over 20 yep. quite comfortably. He's he's got a keen a keen sense of finishing as well. Um, yeah. And I, I, I quickly mentioned Thomason. Um, you know, yes. Thomason, Bellegarde. Uh, how important from what you've seen in Strasbourg? How important have been those those young uh, midfielders coming up in the ranks? Uh, you've got to mention Thomason. He's the first name that comes to mind, right? Um He's just that sort of floating midfielder who, when when you say that, you kind of imagine a a number ten that does that shirks his defensive duties, but he's just full of activity in midfield, 
and he just loves making those late runs into the box. He's he's a constant goal, th- but he doesn't, you know, he doesn't discount what he has to do in that area of the pitch because obviously there's only three of them in midfield uh, due to the system they're playing. He's been he's been great. I mean, he's probably going to hit double figures this year. I know he's I think he's been injured a little bit recently, um, but he's he's the click between the midfield and um, Gamero and, and Ajok and he's just been exceptional with that and then for me the other two two players that I th- think of that I've been impressed with one is Niamzi in defense he's the he's the central defender in the in the three in, he's the central one in the three def- uh, central defenders and his distribution he's, he's only 24 and I think he'd been sort of cast out a little bit of Ren but he's, his distribution's really good. He seems very composed on the ball. He's strong in the air. He's fast. Um, and he, and for me, I always look at, for a side, I always kind of look at the spine of the team. So, you know, it's sort of goalkeeper, centre-back, centre-mid, creative outlet and striker, right? And you look at the spine of that side and Sells is very consistent. Niamzi is super solid. Belgard now is becoming... A very good user of the ball. He doesn't. He doesn't really lose it. He plays at the base of the midfield, and he does it really well. You've got Thomas Wan and you've got Ajok, and that's and that's extremely solid. And uh, notwithstanding the fact that you've got very good players on the wings, etc., but that spine is looking very healthy first, Hasbro. Yeah, I think it is a good spine. And, and going back to um, to Niamzi, uh yeah, you mentioned it right. He was in Ren, and he was a little bit cast aside. By the coach right now, which is in Strasbourg, um, Jerzino Niamzi was in the youth, um, in the Academy of Rennes, coached by Julien Stefan, and then Julien Stefan gave him his shot in, in Ligue 1, you know, probably whether was it too early or he just wasn't ready. At the time, it was, um, it was Da Silva and, of course, Aguerd coming up in, in Rennes, so it's also a, a bit of competition. But when Julien Stefan goes to Strasbourg and, and needs, a young defender, he goes straight away to, to Niamzi yeah. and, and then um, he get the, the former Marcel player as well, um, Perrin. But I think bringing a guy like Niamzi and almost giving him the keys, you know, like yes. you have the experience of Jiku. When when Strasbourg, I think it's Mitrovic that they lose at the off-season who had all this uh, all this yeah. experience, when they when they lose him, um, there was worries about the defense, um, the defense of Strasbourg because Matt Sales had been injured for over a year. Uh, they shipped one of the goalkeepers um, to to Belgium in the off- in the um, winter mercato as well. So clearly, the confidence mm-hmm. was there for sales. But defensively, you're wondering who's going to be able to to do it. And and you're saying at the beginning of the season, the four four two doesn't quite work. But then yeah. Julien Stefan sees where the you know where the strength of his team is. Jiku is definitely a bit of an enforcer. Um, yeah. DMZ, I mean, doesn't mind playing football, uh, and Perrin is probably in between and and mm. giving, you know, giving his confidence to a player like Yamzi. He is is ripping all the fruit right now. Julien Stefan and his squad because Yamzi has just constantly developed and and has been a, allowed to develop, I guess, mm. uh, into the the player that he is now. Which kind of brings me to to the next question, right, about Strasbourg, and and I want to know your thought, Baptiste. Is that a club? where it's easier mm. for a guy like Julien Stéphane to actually develop his team. You know, he's a coach who's done really well at Rennes over the course of three years. And then once they qualify for the Champions League, things go a bit 
a strain. Mm. He's not really being given the, the benefit of the doubt or or a second season to try and install himself, I guess, perennially in, into Europe and the European mm. competition. Do you think in Strasbourg he's going to be given a little bit more of that chance? There's a bit less criticism around. There's a bit, of course, less yeah. pressure because less money. Um, is it somewhere where you see him yeah, settling down and, and succeeding for a bit of a, a long-term, mid-term, long-term? I think that's the intent, right? And the good thing with, like you said, with Strasbourg is that Marc Keller is very down to earth. You get a sense that it's a club that lives within its means and knows how far it fell before going going back up. And that's still there's still that um, institutional memory of that happening and having to go through that, which I think is a healthy thing, right? Sometimes you see clubs completely forgetting about that. And it's not a question of identity, but losing what made them go back up and what made them strong again. And I don't see that happening so far with Strasbourg. So I think even if they're very successful this year and who knows, even get a Champions League spot, (laughs) it's not, you know, it's not inconceivable. I don't think they will all of a sudden splash and they will ask different things of, of Stefan. I think the fans as well have always been used to a club that's not hugely successful and I don't think they'll lose their heads, but I mean, I could say that about any fans and then bring Europe and fans fans completely forget where they came from. But um, I, I think there's a real intent from both Marc Keller and Stéphane to have a bit of continuity. And I, I, I do think Stéphane looks like he he was enjoying that at the start with, with Rennes and then expectations suddenly became too high thanks to his success. <laughs> uh, so, but we'll see. I mean, I saw, I know we were discussing this offline, but I saw some rumors about him being linked with the Lyon job. If it becomes available, is it a question of if or when? I don't know, but if it becomes available with uh, Peter Bosch's departure, if they don't grab a European spot. And I could see how a I could see how he could be attractive club like Lyon and I could see how he would be attracted to uh, Lyon as well. So that club, if he had to make a step up even before, you know, setting up what he'd envisaged at Strasbourg, I could see a club like, like Lyon, but I, but that's really the only club I could think of. I, I can't think of really, he's, I couldn't see him going to Marseille, for example, or, or obviously not PSG, but, um, mm-hmm. You know, he's gone to Rennes, which has a little bit of pressure. He's gone and done well and did his reputation some more good at Strasbourg. He's, yeah, who, who knows? But it, I think currently he's planning for, for sort of medium long term. And, um, but, but we'll see if there's an opportunity somewhere else like Lyon. Strasbourg was a bit of a surprise, right? I mean, I don't know how it felt to you, yeah. but I think to a lot of, of pundits and in, in France and, and above, um, and obviously, sorry, like it was a bit of a, I guess, a step back in a way, yes. you know, when you've been so good at Rennes uh, and, and, you know, he's the son of the um, assistant coach of the French national team. So he has that name and he's, he's a bit of the golden child of, of coaching in France where people kind of know he's going to make it. Um, mm. Him going back to Strasbourg, I think really did feel a little bit like a step back, but also I think it kind of maybe shows 
who he is. I mean, everyone thought he was going to like Dalce, he was going to England or he was going yeah. to that, that kind that kind of club. Uh, but he might he might really show what his priorities are and that he wants a project and a place that's um that's safe for you know a number of years. I mean, you know how there's not a lot of jobs that probably are harder and more demanding on a short term than being a coach, right? Your lifespan is yes. <laughs> 18 months, maybe maybe three years if you've been highly successful, uh, and then everyone's going to be bored of you. Um, so 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 yeah, I think I think I was, it was a bit surprising, but but it kind of makes sense. That's always the thing that I'd be afraid if he goes to Lyon. You mentioned Marseille and Paris. I feel like I'll never for him. Uh, mm. But I think like he's he's the kind of coach like um you know like Puel in the past or uh, uh, it's the only name that I came to me right now, but who would go into a a, a mid table team. Yeah, in England or 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 Spain or Italy, wherever he'd rather be, um, where where he can build the same thing and work the same way and and mm. bring a team that is less or known to to success. Um, but this day and age, right, with football, things go so quick. Like, yes. what are the chances that he stays in Strasbourg next year? You know, mm. is is he going to be happy to stay in Strasbourg if you lose the players like Ajor, who's who's destined to be going somewhere yeah. else, Thomason? Who's most likely going to be attracted um, by, you know, another challenge as well. Seeing people coming and looking at the door, um, it, it's. I don't think it's going to be any easier for him because it's. It's probably Ren. I feel like he built he built a team for a cycle at Strasbourg. Yeah. Somehow that feels a little bit like the achievement of that cycle that's starting to be mm. built two two three years ago. Um, I, I don't know what you thought and and you know. Is that what you think about what's going on in Strasbourg right now, or do you see that maybe, maybe next year they can keep going with the same kind of squad? Well, for, uh, well, I didn't have the same reaction as you did when when he joined Strasbourg. I think it was also because he sort of said he was quitting Ren because of the pressure. There was there was a bit of a hint to that, and there was, I I don't know why, but I got a sense of well, he's maybe going to take a bit of time off to to find another challenge, and then he just jumped straight back into <laughs> into Strasbourg. I, I agree with you as well that Strasbourg seems more like where he's taking them now is maybe the finished article rather than building a cycle. I don't think they've got as strong an academy as Rennes, for example. Even historically, I don't think they've necessarily had that. Rennes have always had a strong academy. And he's he's definitely going to lose some players. Although I think a lot of the players that we've mentioned, like Yamzi, Belgarde, Jiku, I'd be surprised if there was a real clamor for them from abroad or from big French club, right? I think they're probably overperforming at at the right level in terms of club, right? Um, but it's in, but it's interesting me. So so I don't know. I mean, like you said, football is so short termist, and when a great opportunity comes around, there's no disrespect in in taking it, especially if you think that you're not necessarily going to build a cycle at Strasbourg, but certainly the parallels with Galtier are interesting because, you know, Galtier was a number two for a long time to Perrin. He then took over Saint-Étienne, took them on a, you know, sustained period of success, especially when you see where they are now, uh, whilst being committed to, you know, spending it the right way, following the ethos of the club, etc. And then he came to take over at Lille, which was a club in struggle. Not that Strasbourg were in struggle, but you know, not necessarily identified as hugely on the way up. And uh, obviously, we know what he did at, at Lille, um, but he clearly has a career plan of trying to do the best that he can in France to have a lot of leverage for wherever he wants to go. 
next if he goes abroad. And and as interestingly, he he favors young players and and trying to develop them and trying to develop players rather than handle huge egos. So lots of interesting parallels between the two. And the difficulty if you're a manager is there's no such thing as a career plan, right? You can't. <laughs> um, <laughs> You know, for you. three months three months down the line, you'll be sacked. So, um, so it's it's a little bit impossible. You, but you can tell already, even though that's his second club, that he's both pragmatic, but also has a desire to to at least leave his clubs in a in a good shape going forward, right? And there's, we're definitely seeing that at, at Rennes, and you get a sense that he is never, unless they get pillaged, he's never going to leave Strasbourg in a in a horrible state. So that's to his credit, I think. Yeah, for sure. And, and, and as it stands, Strasbourg is fourth on the table. Uh, they've yeah. just overtaken um, Nice and, and the goal difference. Eight games to, to go and eight games that are not going to be too easy for Strasbourg. They're hosting Lyon next week. Then they're going to Troyes. Then they're hosting Rennes. They're going to Lille. They're hosting Paris Saint-Germain. They're going to Brest. They're hosting Clermont and they're finishing with a trip to Marseille, uh, probably at the top of the table, one of the one of the hardest, um, you know, run of eight games. Uh, out of the eight, um, five of them are in the, the top five, top six, and and two of them are um, fighting to avoid relegation. You know, um, I guess put your, put put yourself in trouble. What what do you think? Um, Strasbourg, <laughs> where do you think they end at the end of the season after that eight of uh, that run of eight games? Do they? Are they still European? Um, comes the the end of the thirty eighth match day. They're definitely not a side that I ever consider will be played off the park by anyone. So in my mind, they've got a chance, whatever game they play. So uh, that's a tough run in. Um, you're playing against big sides or sides that are really battling for their lives. There doesn't seem to be a casual, you know, mid table contest <laughs> in there. Um, but they, the the structure is there for them to, you know, they don't con- they haven't conceded a lot of goals over the last five games. They don't s- score as many as they did at one point, but it's getting a bit tense for everyone, and uh, it's on s- small and fine margins at the moment. It's going their way. So, and they're not. That's not because they're changing the way they're playing in a particular way. That's just a continuation of what they've done all year. So. I I don't think they'll finish top three. I still think that's uh, I still think Marseille and Rennes look pretty good, even though Rennes can be inconsistent. There's just I think Rennes have too much firepower, and and Marseille have a bit too much now. I mean, I know Saint Pauli gets criticised, but that's still an experienced manager and and the Velodrome and and some good players there. So, but certainly out of the out of the, I know you've got Count Nice as well in there, but. Mm-hmm. I could I could see them finish finishing fourth, yeah. I think that's yes. uh, the top three seems a bit ambitious. A bit out of reach. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Six clean sheets in the past eight games. So if they are able to yeah. uh, to recreate this in the in the eight games going forward, maybe they maybe they do have a shot. Uh, all right, that'll wrap up our uh, our part one of the pod um, on Strasbourg. Uh, thanks for the chat, Papo. Really really interesting yeah. to to get your thoughts on it. And uh, yeah, it's. It's been an impressive um, season for Strasbourg. I think we've spoken about, you know, his last surprise of the season, his mess, the surprise, um, mess, sorry, needs the surprise of the season. Um, and, and I think Strasbourg are the ones who have been continually progressing and, and getting better yeah. and better and adapting their style to who they were playing. 
um, that final stretch is going to be very, very enjoyable to watch. Uh, all right, let's uh, let's let's do the bread and butter. Let's talk about the <laughs> ten games in Ligue 1. 